I'm Mike. And I'm Adam. And this is Stuff and Waffle. Two friends talking about stuff, and often as not, waffling with frequent reference to Bond cars. It's our 100th episode. It is. Who'd have thought? <laughs> Who'd have thought? I don't know. I, I really don't know how we've ended up here. No. It's baffling, isn't it? It is. Um, mm. However, we are here. We are, and we're going to celebrate with some warm Mr. Bond. Mmm. Mmm. Yeah. We recently um, uh, gave our thoughts on Never Say Never Again. <laughs> that actually proved quite popular in terms of downloads. Did it? Yeah. Did, yeah. Well, our recent um, talking about Bond films has inspired my dad. He's been watching a few lately he's and really enjoying um did he take nice. our advice and skip never say never again no he watched it and then said yeah you were right we told <laughs> I, it, shouldn't, we, I shouldn't have bothered we, we, chris we told you we took one for the team on that one we did, we did try and make it clear <laughs> it wasn't worth the effort but nevertheless he uh he drew the same conclusions as, as mm. us uh that it is utter um utter bobbins but um we said after that we would have a go at uh, Thunderball, the original oh, yeah. interpretation of that story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have. Well, I have too. And you have too. I mean, we, in fairness, we could have probably done the episode without actually watching it. I did think that, actually. I thought this week, I thought if I don't get time to watch it, it probably isn't going to make a lot of difference because I can talk about it anyway. <laughs> yes, considering it's... It's probably one of the films I've seen the most because it, uh, after our previous discussion of me uh, essentially stealing films off my dad's boss at the time, Thunderball mm. was one of them. So it was one of the ones that got hammered early doors. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah well, so. I, yeah. Well, I did watch it through um, last night, and I know mm. you watched it last week. So yeah, we're all up to date on Thunderball from 1965. Oh, yes. The fourth Bond in the series. Um, yep. The first to be shot in Panavision widescreen. Oh, an excellent note. Well done. Oh, yeah. I knew you'd like that. Um, yes, and the third to be directed by Terence Young. He also did the first two. Uh, um, that, uh, that was his last one he directed, wasn't it? Yeah, and he did the yeah. three. Yeah, yeah, he did Dr. No from Russia with Love and Thunderball. Mm-hmm. Um, you can tell right off the bat that this is a big budget film. Um, oh, money thrown at this! I mean, the, the the underwater thing alone. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I think coming off the success of Goldfinger, they could pretty much write their own ticket for this mm. one. Um, nothing was going to stand in their way. Um, well, except perhaps Kevin McClory, but. Um, <laughs> They they brought mm. him into the fold. They were very nice to him. They didn't want him. They didn't want this guy coming in off the street and muscling into their their party. But they had to take him in, and they brought him on board rather than risk him going off and doing a film of his own. They Cubby and Harry thought, "No, we're gonna." He could derail the whole enterprise here. So let's bring him in. Let's mm. let him be producer. We'll be executive producers on this one, and let's use the rest of the team, and let's try and make a you know a proper fourth entry for the series out of it and i think they really did yeah they did you, you, 
if you didn't know any of the the backstory or anything around it, you wouldn't yeah. know that you wouldn't know the difference. There are a few stylistic changes for this one. As I say, it's the first one to be shot in widescreen, um, and they had that strange thing, a technique they never used again. That strange sort of wipe across the screen to transition from one scene to another. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, never, yeah, yeah. Never use that again. Um, but uh, there it is. It's kind of it kind of works. Well, I I can't say. I mean, until you mentioned it, I go, oh yeah, you are right. It does do that. But mm, it I, does. I wouldn't, it, it, it in my head, then it clearly works because I've never been distracted by it. No, yeah, absolutely not. But mm. it is it is there. Um, to tra- mainly used to transition from one location to another. Yeah. Um, it either swipes left to right or uh, top to bottom, depending on what's appropriate but mm-hmm. um yeah i think it works it works quite well connery is really into his stride now um as oh, our yeah. supporting cast and um yeah we we're got... we're doing well by this yeah point. we we got some good well we got some excellent villains we got some strong um strong female parts in there too we do actually. You're right. Um, some very strong female. It's a good story, actually. It's a good, you know, in terms of a kind of beginning, middle, and end of a story. It kind of flows very nicely, and I think it's um, it's quite a credible story. Um, it makes for a proper. I think it makes for quite a reasonable spy thriller, aside from being a Bond film. Yeah, yeah. It's it, well, it's quite classy, isn't it? I think. I think that's the word, isn't it? That's a very good word for it. It's classy. Yeah, it is a classy film. Yeah. One, one bit that I, that I perhaps, it doesn't detract from it, but it's one bit that, I, there's a hint of it grates me up a little bit the wrong way. Is <laughs> I wasn't keen on the casting of Felix. No, he's kind of a bit of a nothing character in this, isn't he? He's kind of just there for some exposition. Well, I don't, um, I don't object to Felix being part of it, and I think the part that he was written is kind of okay. I just think, what's it? What's his shop? So Rick Van Nutter, yeah, yeah, played a little bit wooden. Yeah, um, it is. Uh, I think he went on to be in Hawaii Five O, didn't he? That was that was where he sort of made his name. But he, um, yeah, it's he hasn't. There's not a lot on the page for him to work with, though, is there? Really, with it? He's... Oh, hang on, no, hang on, hang on. Let's let's clarify our facts there. I thought Hawaii Five O was Jack Lord. Oh, perhaps I'm thinking of the wrong Felix. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking. Uh, oh God, uh, Jack yeah, Lord was right. Felix in Doctor No. Doctor No, I'm thinking of the wrong Felix. You're right. Hang on. But yeah, I think in this he's he doesn't have a lot to do really. He's kind of just floating around Bond, isn't he? And you see what you did there because there's lots of water. Yeah, oh, very good. Yes, yeah. very good. Well, yeah, you. you see, I'm all over this. <laughs> um, but you know what I mean. He doesn't he doesn't have a great deal to do as such. No, um, but he's he's okay. I don't object to him being there. Um, no, I don't. I don't think it's horrendous by any stretch. But I just don't think it. It doesn't add or detract, if I'm honest. No, it doesn't. There's not much chemistry between him and Connery. There are. Um, there have been much better Felix. Yes, uh, Felix is along the line. Yes, there have. Um, um, but you know, he's he's there. 
Yeah. Um, the film does, and we've, we mentioned this before, as all the Terence Young films does, it does suffer from quite choppy editing and some quite nasty jump cuts um, and some speeded up footage. Particularly um, the, uh, the final sequence on the boat. Particularly that, but also when Bond is driving in uh, Fiona's Mustang. Um, and the way that again you can't speed up car action because the it way the car be. the way the car corners and the way mm. it sort of leans into you know the way the car moves it's just wrong when it's speeded up cars don't move like that mm. uh, it's so obviously speeded up um, I'm not going to knock them for the back projection because it was 1965 and um, actually what they're using there is really high quality back projection for the time not bad uh certainly better than what they forked out for for dr no yeah yeah thing yeah they've obviously yes it's much higher budget because that that looks like someone's got their portable telly slung it behind the car and out yeah and sometimes it's black and white (laughs) throw in the color Throw in the tire screeching on gravel, and you're well away there. Oh well, there are other films. On Her Majesty's Secret Service does that in a couple of places. Uh, the Aston yes. Martin on the beach. On the beach, yeah. The yes. beginning again. No, it makes me cringe every mm. time I hear it. Tires will not squeal on sand. It is impossible. <laughs> no, it's yeah. It, it, it's just overproduced at that point, but it's yeah. they're, they're not the only film being guilty of that at that particular era because everyone not wanted everyone wanted the entertainment value. It's, it was yeah. a very different time. It's the, it's like we said, like you said about the choppy editing of the Terence Young films. No one cared. Yeah. No, they didn't. I mean, you watch it now, particularly the fight scene in the um, pre-title sequence. That's really bad. Mm. For the oh, yeah. for the jump cuts, really bad, and I I've always found it distracting. Um, there's one point where I think the either the villain or Bond throws a punch, and then the other one throws another punch, but you don't see them throw it; you just see the punch land. Yeah. yeah. So hang on, it's it's how do we get here? I wonder whether he was trying the kind of close-in, fast-paced editing that we saw in Quantum of Solace and actually a lot of modern action movies have. Mm. I wonder if he was a little bit ahead of his time and he was trying to do that. I think he was certainly trying to do that on the the fight on the boat, on the bridge of the boat at the end. Mm. Um, I think he was trying to make it really fast-paced and energetic, and but it doesn't quite, where they're not quite cutting in the right place. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I think I, I, I do agree with that. But and I think there's an argument for saying, well, perhaps you, you know, if you filmed it right in the first place, you wouldn't need to cut it about like this. But who knows? I, you know, I don't know if that's the case. But the fact is, place yourself in 1965 in a yeah. fairly dismal England, and you're being taken to the Bahamas. Oh, it, and it's still fabulous. You, you. These you, I am nit. I am nitpicking. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. You you pop yourself in a cinema at the at yeah. the time that it was released. You would have never ever noticed that. You wouldn't. And yeah, I mean, I am nitpicking here because there kind of really aren't many negatives. No. Yeah. Um, and the negatives are mainly technical, like that. Um, mm. And it it just feels it 
it feels like a strong film right from the beginning. You just know, yeah, we're where where we need to be with this um, right from the beginning. Um, new uh, first time. Uh, then look at a little technical point that you'll like. The first time we see actually see Mister Connery uh, in the gun barrel sequence right at the beginning. Oh yes, this is true because he was always substituted, wasn't he? In the first three films, it was in fact, which obviously was filmed for Doctor No, but then reused in From Russia Love and Goldfinger. Uh, it was Bob Simmons, the uh, stunt Scott. coordinator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Which because they weird. shot that before Connery had actually started. Um, I thought they could um, could afford to just reshoot that, but apparently yeah, not. They didn't. Yeah, they didn't. Or with Doctor No, they probably couldn't afford to reshoot it. To be fair, but yeah, in the first three films, it's not Sean Connery in the in the gun barrel. It's Bob Simmons, <laughs> mm. who is a much shorter man. <laughs> but, but you know, I bet no one noticed. No, really, um, I didn't until I was I read somewhere, you know, years ago that it wasn't Sean Connery. And he actually mentions it in one of the um DVD commentaries. I don't know on which film he mentions it, but he, he actually says, um, funny thing is, that's not me. <laughs> so very good. I like that. <laughs> but it is in Thunderball, and they reused that gun barrel for the next two films that he did. Mm. Um but uh, yes, he he recorded the, the first time Connery recorded the gun barrel was for Thunderball. Very good. There we go. We like we like the little facts. There don't you we? go. Um, but uh, like like you say, I mean, moving into the story a bit, um, hmm. uh, it it did feel a bit more spy thriller because a bit more spy thriller, a bit more plausible as well. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, we're we're the height of the Cold War. Um, and we're at a naval base, and we're we're um essentially hijacking a Vulcan. Oh, the Vulcan! Oh, good, good heavens! It's one of one of the most glorious aircraft known to man. That sequence: two real Vulcans were used for the filming, uh, one on the ground and one for the flying shots. Mm. Um, they then built a full-scale replica in the Bahamas that they could sink, mm-hmm. uh, and then they had a number of models. I actually think the model work, they also did models for some of the Disco Volante scenes. Mm. I think the model work in that is superb, absolutely superb. The only problem they get, and the problem that all model shots get, is it's impossible to scale water. That is the issue, and that is the Thunderbirds suffered from that a lot. Well, you say <laughs> Thunderbirds, the same person, Derek Medding. Yes, of course, the late Derek Meddings. Yes, mm. absolutely, who did loads of model work for mm. Bond films. Um, yeah, that is the models. No matter how brilliant they are, you, it is impossible to scale water. It mm. does what it does. Yeah, you, yeah, it's difficult. <laughs> you isn't cannot it? control it. Yes, these days, of course, they'd CGI it, but in those days, that didn't exist. Um, but I do think, despite that, the model work is is tremendous. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're not. We're certainly not shortchanged on that. And no, we're not. And the, that that whole thing of it being right, we're stealing this amazing plane with. Atomic bombs on it? Could it, yeah. it? It couldn't be more Cold War if it tried. Um, oh, Brilliant. sorry, uh, MOS type. MOS, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, fuses in the white security box, uh, box as usual. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, yes. all of that. All of that. I think the that I got two um, things I'd like to talk about with that sequence of stealing mm. the the bomber. First of all, um, Commandant Deval. Yes, Major Deval of NATO. Um, the fact that they've got a a double prepared, mm. um, two years in the making. Um, plastic surgery, learning to fly the plane, studying everything about this guy. There's there's two bits that always make me smile, <laughs> and then there's another bit which I think, yeah, that's actually that's spot on. The two bits that make me smile right at the end as he's leaving, um, uh, the whatever it is, the hotel room, which was actually where he is. Um, was actually the front gate of Pinewood Studios, the exterior. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah, I'd, uh, I'd heard that, yeah. But anyway, where he where he is, whatever it is, hotel room, whatever, um, and he's leaving, um, and he says, um, au revoir, and she says, no, no, he always says ciao. Mm. And then she says, and the cap is too far back on your head. <laughs> I think those are quite specific details that he perhaps should have already studied up on yeah. by this point. <laughs> yeah. If he's supposed to be impersonating the guy, how he wears his uniform hat and what he says when he leaves, quite important details. Yeah, so you've spent far too much time concentrating on the face. Yes. <laughs> Plastic operations. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it always makes me smile. But... Then I thought, well, he's unlike the idiot in Never Seen Ever Again. Um, <laughs> he's going into a situation. He's an observer going on this mission. Mm. None of the people he's going to be working with have ever met him before. They don't know him. He gets introduced at the pilot's briefing. This is true. So if he hasn't got it absolutely spot on, as long as he looks roughly As long as he right, looks the part to get through security. Yeah, as long as he roughly matches his ID badge mm. and speaks roughly right, he hasn't all the mannerisms and how he wears things actually doesn't matter because nobody he's there with knows him. No, but I suppose... And he's going to kill them all halfway through the flight anyway. I suppose the thing that you could argue is while they've done all the preparation to swap him uh, once he's on a military base it's an unknown quantity you don't generally don't yeah. really know who'll be there he could bump into somebody who knows him or mm. he's got to be roughly right yeah. yeah but the guys he's getting on the plane with don't know him and have never no. met him before so i did think that that kind of adds an air of reality to it mm. um and i think the theft of the bomber um, that sequence, after he puts in puts the gas into the air system and kills the crew. Mm. If you watch that sequence, the music stops at that point, and the rest of that sequence plays out with no music. All you've got is the roar of the jet engines and the guy on the radio mm. from the base. Um, 
over and over again, you know, bomber controller to RAF jet, you know, all mm. that stuff. Report your position, report your position over mm. and over again. And that's just going on in the background with the roar of the engine. He's, and he's clearly wrestling the thing um, and he's going to land it on the surface of the sea. Um, that sequence is genuinely suspenseful. I thought they did that. I've seen that sequence be criticized for being boring. But it, um, I, it absolutely is. I I think it works really well. Yeah, I'd go. I'd I'd, I'd thoroughly agree with that. Um, because someone someone's taken a lot of care to prepare that scene because yeah. they focus, like you said, the, the noise is a big element of it, and you think, mm. well, actually, it's one of the defining char- yeah. characteristics of that plane. The yeah. Um, do you remember its farewell tour? Yes, I do. Yeah. Um, I was living in Swindon at the time. Oh. And we were on the flight path. Mm, perfect. And the noise was <laughs> biblical. It's a very loud plane. My yes. goodness me. Yeah. Um, what a thing. I think the fact that they used that and they didn't put any music over it. And it's a John Barry score. It would have been good music, but they didn't put any music yeah. over. It was just the screaming engines and the guy, you know, bomber controller, all of that stuff. Um, it's very much on purpose, isn't it? Yeah, and it makes it brilliant. And he's in the plane on his own at this point. There's bodies all around him. And the replica that they've built of the plane Mm. is spot on. Well, I mean, I assume it's spot on. Obviously, I've never been in the cockpit of a Vulcan bomber, but it looks authentic. Mm. Um, are they to be praised for that sequence? And in fact, I believe Thunderball is the only Bond film to be to win an Oscar uh, for special effects. Uh, yeah, I think you, I think you're right on that one. Bond films are often overlooked by awards. Um, they don't certainly the Oscars don't like franchises. Um, no, it's not for them, is it? No, uh, but it did win. Thunderball did win for special effects, and I think when well, you look at that sequence, uh, you can see why it's brilliant. Mm. It's absolutely brilliant. It's genuinely suspenseful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he's got to land it with nuclear bombs on board on the surface of the sea. Um, <laughs> Probably be fine. Yeah, no worries. Um, and uh, no music, yeah. I think it's it's brilliant. It's one of my favourite sequences from the whole the whole film. Mm, yeah, yeah, really good. Um, and it, it, like we said, it it just it's bang on, isn't it? Yeah, I think but so. For the for the era, you go right. Here we go. We've got supersonic bomber jets, nuclear weapons, and antics ensuing. Um, yeah, on a really. Wild, ta- well, not wild tangent, but definitely not Bond. If you, if you're really interested in the Vulcan and what led up to it, um, there's a wonderful two-part documentary by James uh, Holland. Um, oh yeah, called Cold War Hot Jets. Oh, very good. Um, fascinating. I, I yeah, I, I, I like James Holland anyway. He's a brilliant author and historian. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, go if you if you want more Vulcan knowledge, easy man. Very good. Okay. Yeah, yeah, very good. Well, well recommended. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think that, and then because the, there is quite a slow scene 
happens then as the plane sinks down to the seabed. Yeah. He, he puts the landing gear down and it sinks down. Um, there is quite a lengthy sequence there where they're offloading the bombs and then they they pull the camouflage net over it. And it is, it's quite a slow-paced sequence. Mm. But I think it's just right after that quite high action sequence. I think it it works really well. Yeah, um, it does. Um, and we get a little bit of frantic element where they cut his pipe. Um, yeah, we can't get his seatbelt undone. And then, mm. I mean, uh, you are you are trying to... Because he, he asked for more money earlier mm. on. That's ballsy. <laughs> You're mm. trying to out-blackmail Spectre. <laughs> uh, yeah, tricky. What did that. you think was going to happen to you anyway when mm. the mission was done? You are then utterly useless to them. Yeah. Yeah, simple. And you simple are as. supposed to. The guy that you're impersonating is supposed to have died in that mm. crash. How are you ever going to show your face? Any? What did you think was going to happen? It's definitely an oversight on his part. It's a bit daft, isn't mm. it? And then to have asked for more money, mm. and that pretty much guarantees they're going to do away with you as soon as it's done. Oh yes. Mm. Um, and actually leaving his body in the plane just covers up the whole, even if the plane is one day found, it covers up the whole subterfuge of having a double. Oh, yeah. Because the body that looks like him is exactly where it's supposed to be. Yeah. <laughs> Simple so, as that. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't think about that, did you? You, see, no. you, think, you, didn't, you didn't think that through. No, we got all excited about the money, and that was it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, dear. Um, but what that does from there, that, that sets the scene of the fact that all of this action is going to go down in a very, very exotic place in the world. Yes, absolutely. Um, and lots of underwater action. Mm -hmm. um, all done by Ivan Tours, I believe, who also... No, well, they did loads of stuff. They did the Flipper TV series. They did Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. Um, loads of, course, of yeah. underwater stuff. Uh, Ivan Tours was huge in its day. Massive mm. underwater studio in the Bahamas. Um, mm. and that's why they went there for Thunderball, and they built a full-size replica of, of the Vulcan um, that they could submerge and then bring up again and submerge and bring up again mm -hmm. um, and do all the filming they needed to do with it. Um, yeah, brilliant, brilliant stuff. Um, but like you say, it sets sets the tone, doesn't it, for the rest of the. And then we're with, um, uh, what have we got next? Yes, then we've got the health club, haven't we? We've got Bond at uh, Shrublands. Uh, yes, yes, we've got we got a bit of that, um, which is, yeah, <laughs> it's not the strongest sequence in the film. It's not the strongest sequence. Uh, it's probably, if we're going back to Never Say Never Again, it's probably the bit where the films get as close as they're ever going to get. Yes, I agree. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. He gets, um, obviously, he gets a bit of action. Um, obviously, yeah, bit of, yep. um, bit of naughty blackmail there with the nurse, yeah. Oh, oh yes, we should mention the... Um, <laughs> The I, I did the, is that a real device? Or I have the I've, film? I've never I've, really bothered looking. I am not one who frequents health clubs. 
Um, um, you, may, you may have noticed. Um, well, the thing is, if you did and you saw that, you go, no, you're right. Yeah, no, I'm not getting on that. I'm paying to be here. Yeah. I'm not, no, that's, no, I don't need that. I'm I'm over six foot already. I don't yeah. need to be stretched. Thank you very much indeed. I, it's weird, isn't it, that? I mean, he it's didn't seem weird. too phased by it, other than going, oh, where's the kickstart? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then afterwards, when it, I mean, A, why does it go up to that speed in the first place? Um, uh, yes. Why would it ever need to do that? Nice to have met you, Mr. Bond. Mm. And um, and then it looks like he's really, really got a thing for the... It's a bit uh, unfortunate. Yeah. rubbing up against. A bit unfortunate, that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. you're not sure if he's really getting into mm, what's going on. Yeah, yeah he gets a bit of a sweat on there, doesn't he? Um, yeah, he does. Yeah. Someone's going to wish today it never happened. Mm. Yes. Mm. I suppose my silence could have a price. Mm. Turns out dirty. <laughs> Don't you naughty. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he's kind of with her for the rest of the night, by the look of it. But Yeah, um, he gives her a bit of a rubbing, then pops down. <laughs> um, well, he does. He's got the meat it's, glove, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Yes. Weird. <laughs> yes. Um, Settles the tensions. Mm. Um, yes. Then he pops downstairs to have a look at... Um, Oh, good heavens. Oh, the mummy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Yeah, Angelo. So, yes. Terrible yes. car accident. Yes. Yes, uh, right. No, someone's nicked his face. Um, yes, yeah, what's happened there? Yes. Yeah. Um, then he encounters Count Lippy. Um, With the tong sign on the wrist. Yes. Yeah. All, yeah, that's all part of the, the Kickstarter and the cooking him in the Turkish bath thing. Yes, then we've got the right. assassin through the window who has a bit of telephone cord wrapped around him. Oh, that's all a bit weird as well, isn't that's it? That's yeah. a strange little scene, that one. But It is, go. isn't it? Interestingly, the, the TV version always had that cut out, the bit where he pulls the guy through the glass. Mm. Don't know why. That little sequence was always missing. Um, yeah, you probably could have skipped it, couldn't you? Then yeah, he pops back upstairs for another scene too, and jobs are good. And jobs are good, uh, and then he's off in the Aston in the morning. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, and we know from our earlier podcast, of course, which Aston that is. We do, but not going to tell you now. If you've forgotten, you've got to go back. Oh yeah, you got to go back and get all the nauseating details on that. Yes, oh yeah, indeed. people love it. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> then there's the chase with, uh, um, well, Lippy's after him first of all, wouldn't uh, he? Is but we never actually see him. No, um, because it's Bob Simmons driving the Ford Fairlane. <laughs> yeah, yes. Uh, then we get a bit of what's her chops, Fiona, on a motorbike with some on a motorbike with the rockets. Yeah, uh, yeah. He gets a rocket right up him. Another bit of sped up film right there. Yeah, it is, isn't it? That was shot um, on an old on a disused airfield, I believe. Uh, um, yes, and it they... went. It went a little bit wrong. Uh, yes, I think. Did we have we done this bit before? I th- I don't know. I don't recall us talking about this. I, I think um, you and I might have, but I, yeah. Well, we I, obviously know. Mm. Um, yes. <laughs> um, I'm telling you like you don't know, but I know that you do know. Mm. Um, but the explosion in the car, didn't it go off slightly too early? That was it. Um, and yeah, they were, oh dear, that's, yeah. that's a light that is. And the car <laughs> careered off the side of the road and exploded into flames. Mm. Um but 
where's Bob? What happened to we can't see Bob anywhere? Is he <laughs> did he fall? Because he was driving the car, it had no they'd taken the driver's door off mm. and he was driving it sort of half out and he'd got a button to fire the explosives in the boot to blow the back of the car off. That's it. Yep. And then he was supposed to steer it off the road, roll away from it, and then the whole thing would go up. Yeah, yeah. But it went off before he pushed the button. I yes. seem to remember. And he got it. He still meant he hung on and steered it off the road, and then it burst into flames yeah, whilst quickly. he was still kind of in it. Yeah, he um, was still part of said vehicle at that exact point. Yeah. But he managed to crawl away and was okay. But they couldn't; they didn't know where he was for a minute. Cubby and Harry were really scared. They thought they yeah. killed killed him. Um, and um, but he was, was all right. But it was a bit dicey. Yeah, because I do believe that was a, a story that made it into Jason Barlow's book. I believe. Oh, quite probably being car related. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure I, when I read it, I went, "Oh, yeah, here we go again." Yes. Also, a slightly strange choice of car given that that's not a UK car. That car was never sold in the UK. <laughs> well, no, but... And it's left and drive. I think, again, this might have been an off-podcast one, but we, Ford had quite a big presence in that film. Yes, um, true. And... Largo drove a um, Thunderbird. Yeah. Um, um, Fiona. Fiona had a Mustang, yeah. Uh, so they were having a big push. So it was there for other markets, I would say. Isn't there a Lincoln Continental parked outside Largo's house when Bond goes to visit? Oh, no, Bond's driving Bond. it, isn't it? It's his hire car. Oh, that's it. Yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's hired a, a Lincoln Continental. Yeah. Mm. Again, Which, of course, is a Ford is, brand. Is so, a bit of yeah. Ford. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I think I think the, the Fair Lady is purely... To please certain markets, that's all that was fair, there. Fair Lane, Fair Lane. Sorry, yeah, I'm getting muddled with Nissans. Do you you are. I was going to say Fair Lady is Nissan. Yes, <laughs> there's one round here. Okay. Um, good. <laughs> yes. Um, um, yes. Yeah, slightly, slightly strange choice. And if you again, if you watch that scene, very obviously not on a public road. <laughs> yeah. No matter how they dress that up, we go. That is an enormous road. Yeah, it's, it's staggeringly long and incredibly wide and devoid of all other traffic. Mm. Yes, but I suppose if you're going to be blowing things up, you can't be doing that on public no, roads. It's fair dues, it's mm. fair dues. Um, mm. um, people on the roads really burn you up these days. Oh, you see what he did there. <laughs> um, so after that, we end up back at headquarters. Um, Ah, uh, yes, bit of money, Penny. Uh, but not in the office. Uh-uh, yes. Indeed. Yeah. Yes, that's right. They're in the conference room. What mm. a conference room! <laughs> Truth, where is this conference room? It's a big one, isn't it? It's a mile high. Mm. And everyone's sitting through... Was COVID come early? <laughs> everyone's 300 metres away from each other. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Interesting parallel in this film, though, because we see the Spectre headquarters at the beginning, or the Spectre conference room, where he's going around the room asking them what they're all up to. And then we see the MI6 conference room with, presumably, given that there's nine seats, all the double O agents. Mm. 
yeah, some yeah, of them but... are right weird looking, if you ask yeah, me. Yeah, there's some really weirdos in there. Yes, because uh, Not we... one of them hanging the right way. <laughs> no, no. So he ends up in there. Oh, because that, that was it. Oh, oh what? Because the... Money Penny sends him in there. So, oh, somebody's probably lost a dog. Dog, oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yes, so he, he's got the for your eyes only file. Yeah, that's it. And he yeah. opens it up, and he's uh, meant to be going to Canada. Um, I don't fancy that. No, I don't fancy that. Um, so he says he goes to see him in the office. Uh, then argues the case for going to Nassau to track down Deval's sister. Uh, yes, Nassau, which Nassau. is the only yeah. way Sean Sean Connery is the only person. In- who pronounces it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's good. I like it. <laughs> yes, we should all pay attention. No, um, you want to go there because she is smoking hot. It's got mm. nothing to do with the mission. <laughs> well, and if, well, no, M says it's uh, because this uh, he likes water sports. I'm like, oh, that's a bit uh, niche. That hasn't <laughs> that hasn't aged it's, well. That no. has. <laughs> oh dear. The other reason besides your enthusiasm for water sports. <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah, that's not good. You wouldn't, you wouldn't do that at the health club. No, no, that's it. He's going to turn up, find the sister, and do something unspeakable to her. <laughs> well, at least she can go and wash off in the. Oh. Um, no, oh. we're not going there. That's, that's not what they meant. Are you sure? Are you sure you don't want to hear Sean Connery in his wonderful voice saying, "No." Totally sorry, I need a slash. No, no, I don't want to see that. (laughs) That would be cut out on television, I'll tell you. (laughs) That would never make it through. That's a whole sequence we were robbed of. (laughs) Oh, dear. Oh, no, that was... Oh, dear. That's it. I'm thinking of that sequence on the beach. Hmm. You must trust me. <laughs> well, this is it, yeah. Maybe he's just desperate to get for her to get stung by a jellyfish so he can piss on it. Oh, but maybe, well, they say that's part of the cure. Yeah, I don't know. That's uh, weird. Um, from up, we've ended up down that grotty they little... They didn't mean hole, that. <laughs> no, <laughs> but as you that. say, it hasn't aged well. No, it hasn't. It, it really hasn't. Mm. Um, anyway... Uh, he gets his, his mission redirected and off he goes. Mm. And he decides to go swimming exactly where she happens to go swimming. He's like a dirty predator, isn't he? Oh, he's all over that, isn't he? Yeah. And then he he breaks the boat and tells her a load of nonsense about leaving a needing a lift back to shore for an appointment. And mm. yeah. So he forgets all his, about it. Takes yeah. Her, takes her for lunch and that's it. Yeah. Worms his way in there. Yeah. Planted the seed, dirty. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was a different time, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. not with you. Oh, you soon will be. Yeah. It's, it's very good. <laughs> he's, he's just a dirty little sod. I mean, these days he would just—he'd be riddled. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it'd glow in the dark, wouldn't it? Yeah, you can't. Do yeah. that. No, um, can't be putting that out like that. Gee. But he was all over the place there, yeah. Mm. But um uh Yeah. So where do we, we where do we where do we go then? Uh that's when 
uh, after that, he ultimately ends up at the casino that evening where he meets oh, Largo. Of course, I thought yeah. I saw a spectre at your shoulder. Mm. Yes, which is an excellent scene because it's mm. it's not involving a ridiculous electronic <laughs> game. He's not getting electrocuted. Mm. He's just playing cards. Yes. Mm. I have to say, Emilio um, Largo is is brilliant in in this. Adolfo Celli played him really well. Um, mm. it's a, the the dubbing isn't brilliant. Um, mm, that's something because his, his he had such a, yeah he had such a strong Italian accent apparently that they decided to to dub him over. But um, there's a couple of instances as well where Connery is dubbed over, um, and you can see his lips moving when he's not actually saying anything. <laughs> there's obviously lines been cut. And they've yeah, just yeah. they've just blanked over it. Um, it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's it's really clumsy, but it's kind of you know a lot of films of that era are, are guilty of it. But yeah, that casino scene's really nice. Mm. I think it works really well. Nice bit of play between Bond and Largo. That's it. And off he pops with the girl again, while he wins his money back after Bond gave him a little shaft in at cards. Yes. Um, <laughs> Yeah, little dance with Domino, and um, yeah, off they go. Mm. Um, so let's think where where we're off to from here. Um... Well, they know he's invited to lunch, isn't he, at Palmyra? Um, mm-hmm. Which is a considerably nicer property than the Palmyra in Never Say Never Again. Shithole. Yes, that property still exists. Um, uh, which one? The Thunderbolt one? Or... The Thunderbolt one, yeah, the Thunderbolt one, the nice one. Um, yep. It still exists. Um, it's a real place. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bond Experience, David Zaritsky on YouTube did an episode about it recently oh, really um, where he went there. It's very run down. It's, um, it's not been lived in for quite a while. No. Um, it's a little bit derelict, but it's just been sold. Um, the same family have owned it since it was built um but the guy who lived in it and who let the bond production film there um i think he passed away a few years ago and the property's been empty and Mm. it's because being right on the coast it's got quite battered by the weather and it's quite run down Um, but it is more or less as it appears in the film there's a couple more buildings there um, and I think the shoreline has been a little bit extended out, but it is essentially how it, how you see it in the film. Um, mm. And the guy who owns it now, who I think is the grandson of the guy who owned it originally, um, intends to to do it up and turn it into a bit of a Bond location. Because, of course, there's lots of Bond locations in that area. Of course, yeah. So he wants to try and you know get in on that, and um, he's going to have it restored and... Um, and turned back into a, a proper home. But, yeah, it's a real property that does still exist today, mm-hmm. which is nice. Oh, I like that. I'm, yeah. I'm impressed. Um, uh, so after this bit is where we first encounter Felix, I believe. Hello, double O. Yes. Yep. Yes. Um, well, he's hanging around a bit, isn't he? Oh, he's having a lurk, isn't he? We don't know who he is. He is having a lurk, but we don't know who he is. We think he's 
he might be working for Spectre, but he doesn't interact with any other of the Spectre idiots. Mm. Um, so, um, yeah, but he comes to Bond's hotel room. Mm-hmm. And there's a silly bit here. Again, a bit that always makes me smile. Bond opens the door to him, and he says, well, hello, 00. And Bond punches him in the gut to stop Mm. him saying 007, because he knows there's a Spectre goon in the the suite. Mm. He goes in the bathroom, turns on the water. The guy goes, and falls out of the bath, because apparently being doused in water is enough to make that happen. Well, it is in hot water as well. I want that bloody tap in my house. Yeah, how on earth have they achieved that? Mm. <laughs> With 1965 plumbing. Um, and then, with the guy standing there, mm. he says, sorry about that, Felix, but you were just about to say 007. Well, you've just said the thing you punched him mm. in the gut to stop him saying if I was Felix, I'd be really annoyed. About it. Well, you just told him. You're a spy working for military intelligence. Where's your intelligence, you yes. dumbass? And while we're on the subject, you've registered in this hotel under your real name. Mm. <laughs> they know who you are. <laughs> yes, it isn't. It, it's irrelevant at this point, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Um. You're not being covert here at all. So, mm. <laughs> punching me in the stomach to stop me saying your code number was a little unfair. Yes, a bit, bit much that. <laughs> yes. Um. So from there, we do we then go off to meet Q, who's turned up? Well, we've got the brief scene back at um, Largo's place with the shark pool. Oh yeah, yeah, we. They know when it's time for them to be fed, mm. <laughs> and all of that. Yeah, plant the seed of sinister and go. No some... freaking lasers on their heads. No, very <laughs> disappointing. <laughs> so he throws Matey in. You let him get the better of you. Yeah. Ah, well, uh, yes. If you didn't employ morons and then expect them to be cleverer than MI6 agents, maybe <laughs> mm. this is the problem with Spectre. Uh, yes. They're yeah, asking they're... too much of their low-level goons. If That's the asking. problem. They're, they're top-heavy. They really are. And they've got the, the work experience, the yes. dickheads, doing the day-to-day. That's right. Mm. No wonder your plans always fail. Mm. <laughs> So that's not good. So yeah, Master we, we have... villains can't employ decent henchmen. That's what we learned. No, they're that. too greedy on the money. If they did up they, a little bit of cash... They need another employment agency, I think. Because <laughs> there's that wonderful scene in Moonraker there where Drax is on the phone um, after his henchman's been done away with. And he's mm. it's like he's talking to an employment agent. Mm. He says, of course, I'll need a replacement for, I forget the guys, is it Kra or something like that? So I think I'll need, so, yeah. I'll need a replacement for Kra. Oh, and he says, if we can oh, get him. If you can get him, of course. And then we see Jaws walking through the airport. It's like, mm. you've got him from Rent-A-Goon or something. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> no. well, there's is that... there an agency you can go to to find these idiots? Well, there's that amusing parody, isn't there, one of the Austin Powers films where... <laughs> um, there's the uh, um, cut what's... cut scene to <laughs> ringing the um, henchman's home, isn't it? 
Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, I'd forgotten about that. Isn't there some mention of a, a an agent in that or something? One of them's called Random. He called Random Accident or something like that. That does sound. I forget now. It's a long time since I've watched those. Films. Oh, and it's it's. I know what it is. You remember? It was. I think it was the first Austin Powers movie where there's that ridiculous scene of, uh, the henchman not running out the way of the steamroller, which is approaching him incredibly slow. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes, and he's and screaming, screaming, and screaming, and that's, <laughs> and that's when they have to call. The wife. Um, That's right. Yeah. So, did you get the Bond nod in that particular brief scene? I can't remember. It's so long since I've watched that. The wife who was called um, was played by Lois Charles. Was she? I don't remember that at all. Yeah. There you go. Wow. I need to look that up. I'm. I'm. I'm impressed. I didn't pick up on that. Uh, yeah, so that, that's... Um... But again, there's a sequence in that, isn't there, where he's he's doing away with his henchmen who have annoyed him, and he pushes a button and they fall down through the trapdoor, and then the chair springs back up. That's straight from Thunderball. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where he thinks one of the agents has embezzled some money. So, yeah. Also, he is now, you'll like this, talking about actors in other places. The guy, the British guy, who is English guy, who's in that lineup of goons when he's going around asking for their financial reports. Mm-hmm. The one who says, um, our consultation fee for the British train robbery, £250,000. Mm-hmm. He, he is the butler in The Shining. Ah, uh, good. I like that. Uh, Grady, Delbert Grady, I think, is the character's name in The Shining. Um He's the um, well. He's the butler when um, Jack Nicholson's character meets him, but he it turns out he was previously the 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 caretaker, the one who killed his family. That's right. Um, I had to correct them. That's it. Yes, it's Um, him. Who's in? He's in. He's one of the Spectre operatives. Um. Oh, and he was the dad in A Clockwork Orange as well. He was. He's been in loads of stuff. Mm. Yeah, you're right. He was. Yeah. Mm. Um, but um, yes, yeah, so I thought that that was a nice t- a to mention the train robbery and the fact oh, that they'd had a consultation fee for it, mm. which was um, yeah nice to tie that in. Yeah, I like that. Mm. Um, there's another little tie-in like that in Doctor No. There's a painting. Um, I think it's of Wellington. That Doctor No has in mm. his under underground place, and Bond does a little double take when he looks at it, mm. and it's because that painting was stolen the year before Doctor No came out. I oh, see someone's paying attention, aren't they? That's so nice. Which watching it now, of course, you'd never know, but um, if you read no, the that... history of it, that's why it's there, and that's why they make Bond do a double take. It's yeah, like, oh, Spectre stole it. <laughs> that's it, and you think, well. At then, at that particular time, it would have been big news. Well, it was. It was huge because it was a very valuable painting. Mm. Um, and there it was in Dr. No's um, dining room. Mm. Um, 
So anyway, um, yeah, I like those nice little nods, to, you know, current affairs at that time mm. um, is nice. But anyway, where were we? I, I took us off track a bit there. Uh, oh, sharks. That was it. Sharks. Yeah, we shark had a brief, brief, yes. brief bit of shoehorning the shark pool into the Golden narrative. Golden Grotto. Mm. Yes. Oh, well, no, the Golden Grotto is a bit out of the sea, isn't it? Yeah, it is, but it, they're a particular kind of shark, aren't they, I think, that, that exist in that area. Um, is it? I, th- oh. I can't remember now. Oh, good heavens. Um, I want to... Oh. I want to say there were tiger sharks, but you're probably right. Golden, yeah, the Golden Grotto was the the area further out to mm. sea, wasn't it? And That's sort it. of coral reefs and things. Yeah. Mm. Um, um. So after that is when uh, that's when we get to see Q arrive, and he brings a bit of the yes. gubbins, doesn't he? That's right. Oh no. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that 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 scene unfolds the, and allows them to have a little look under the disco volante, don't they? The, the hatred between Bond and Q is well established at this mm. point, isn't it? Everything I give you is treated with equal contempt. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's it is a good in, um, relationship, I think, isn't it? It's I very, think it is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think they have respect for each other's abilities, but they can't stand each other personally. <laughs> Which is interesting because that dynamic shifts as the actors move on. It does, doesn't it? And I, I, the same is true of M. Actually, certainly Bernard Lee in the role. He, the three actors that he played against, um, mm. he treated them all slightly differently. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, the same same is is true with Q. But um, yes, nice little nice little scene. Q. Um, on the run, as it were. <laughs> yeah, I like that. And it, it, the fact that, he, yeah, he's handing over some gadgets, but none of them seem um, far-fetched, I'd say. I'd say no. So they're in the realms of believable, I'd say. I think so. Um, the only problem, really, is the little rebreather that he gives him. One um, puff. Yeah. Gone. Yes, but he uses it for about half an hour. Yeah, yeah, he's fine. fine. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, we don't need to worry about that. No. Um, so yeah, we do all that. We have a look under the boat. Find there's an underwater hatch. Underwater um, hatch. Yes, I love the way he says that. Mm. Yes. So yeah, that's and good. and mysteriously, uh, Blofeld seems to have lights and cameras under there. I... Oh yeah, it's important that <laughs> you haven't got cameras under there. Mm. <laughs> Come on. Well, I mean, the good thing, at least this particular version of the film, he doesn't get sucked into the boat. No, that's true. No, he mm. gets on the boat a different way later on. Mm. Um, but um, yes, and then the henchmen um, whiz around in their little speedboat and um, it must have hit him with the propeller. Mm. But you're not going to check, obviously. No, that's no, not, no, no. That's no. not the Spectre way. We no, don't no, do no. that. We assume. Mm. We always assume death. Yeah, you that's can't... something that happens at all levels of that organization. It's right again, it's one of their biggest problems. It is much like the giving away the their entire plan because they assume he will be dead shortly. That's right. And when he's standing in front of them and they are holding a shotgun, they don't just take him out there and then, oh, no, 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 we're going to have a nice, lavish lunch with him. We're going to let him have a go on some of the guns ourselves. We're going to mm. tell him all about our boat, we're going to show him around our property. 
I saw no. Fight never dance with the missus, who he's pretending is his niece for some weird reason. Yeah, yeah just, that's a bit odd because you're going, you, you're, you're definitely poking your niece inappropriately there. That's yeah, that's mm. a bit, hmm. yeah, that's a bit odd, isn't it? What's going on there? Um, and why on earth is she with him? Anyway, let's not. <laughs> Yeah, not we better, go there. better not dwell on that. Um, <laughs> so that, yeah, that's that's the thing. So then, um, oh, well, Bond's... is that where he then has to drag himself ashore? Yes, he does yeah. drag himself ashore. That's right. Swims ashore and staggers up to the road and just happens to get there. As Fiona's driving past mm-hmm. in her Mustang. Getting a Mustang. Be driven at ridiculous miles an hour. He's right to look scared. So, yeah, we, we have a bit of dropping off over at the same hotel. La, da, da. Um, uh, then... So convenient. Mm. Yes. And ultimately then, uh, uh, was it he goes off? to Palmyra the next day for his lunch. Off to Palmyra for lunch, uh, and then he goes, which is all fine, um, and then he goes back to Palmyra in the evening, doesn't he, at night? I uh, did a little snoop about. Uh, they've had yes. Paula away, and he finds her. She, she's chomped down on the old cyanide and dealt That's with That's right. She's had enough of that. Yeah. Um, and he ends up in the swimming pool. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a story behind this sequence, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. Because it went a bit wrong. Mm. And because um, they'd, they'd set up the pool with a sort of perspex sheet across it, hadn't they? That's so it, that the yeah. sharks could be on one side and Connery could be on the other. Yeah. And he was none too confident about this. But he eventually, once they'd, um, you know, convinced him that sharks can't jump out of the water and over the perspex wall, um, and he he agreed to do it. But somehow a shark got into the wrong. So there was a gap in the perspex, mm. and a shark got into the wrong side with him. Um, and I think it was Terence Young said in one interview at some point that. The shot that's in the movie where Connery first sees the shark, he is not acting. <laughs> that, is, that is genuine. <laughs> yeah, the, the poo had shot out at that point. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, the uh, the pool filter was working at the time. Um, oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. Got a bit yeah. clogged there for a minute. Poor, um, poor thing exploded. Um, mm. But, yeah, there was a bit of an incident um, with that because Ken Adam had designed this this sort of Perspex tank that, but there was they couldn't quite get enough perspex and there was a gap in it. And of course the shark went straight through the gap. For goodness sake. Um and he was in the wrong side. But Connery mm. managed to get out of the pool quick enough that, you know, nothing happened. But mm. um and there is a shot in the film actually where you see Connery has got his hand up against the perspex. Uh yes, you do see that, yeah. You do briefly see that, yeah. Um but again, classic Spectre. They 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 draw the cover across the the pool, mm. let the sharks in, 
and then just wander off, and we'll, go, we'll just assume. That's that... it. You can you can see them all going. Right, put the cover across there. But we let the sharks in. Uh, pub. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, and we're not going to station anybody in the other pool at the only other escape route. No, 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 no. We're going to leave that open mm. uh, and assume he's been eaten by the sharks and he hasn't escaped into the other pool. Mm. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah, my round. <laughs> Off we go. Yeah, so we do a bit of that. Do a bit um, of that. Interestingly, actually, again in that scene, and thing that comes up a lot in Thunderball, it was the most violent, graphically violent Bond film to date. And again, it was always it cut was, when yeah. it was on television. But in that sequence, he stabs the guy in the stomach and there's blood. And the mm. guy goes, oh, underwater. Mm. Um and yeah, that was I. I think for 1965, that was quite on the edge. Mm. Um, mm. And it was certainly the first for a Bond film. And this, in the underwater fight near the end of the film, there's some of that. There's a guy who gets a spear through his arm, and there's blood everywhere. And oh yeah, yeah. Again, that was always cut when it was on television. In fact, that's quite a long sequence. Often used to get cut about on television, mm. um, but it kind of worked because the editing isn't brilliant. On that sequence, anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, it's yeah. not. It's not. Um, but um, anyway, so yes, back to the sequence of events. So he he gets away from gets away from that um, with the old um, shoot one direction and then shoot the other direction trick. Mm -hmm. um, he's got you all shooting at each other <laughs> and um, all of that stuff. So yeah, a bit in the pool. Problem with the shark. Um, off he pops. Um, and then are we? What are we then? Are we then back at the hotel? Is this the bit where we find out we're back at the hotel and we've ended up having a new neighbour next door, which turns out to be everyone's dangerous redhead Fiona? That's uh, right. She yeah. wants something to put on. He gives her some shoes. Dirty. Yes, that's right. Yes. <laughs> Let's have a look at your bangers. Is essentially what that is. Oh, that's a good scene. That. Yeah. Um, yes, that's right. Um, aren't you in the wrong room? Mm. Um, so and then yeah, she, that... she invites him to the to the carnival. That's it. So yeah, they have a bit of the usual pre-carnival session. Um, yeah. That's how it works. Um, yeah, she has a go at him afterwards. Yep. They and then they trot off to the carnival, the Junkanoo. Junkanoo. Um, yeah, that's right. Because she does that speech, doesn't she? About um, she's not going to be returning to the side of. Um, right and good, or whatever. I forget the wording of the speech. Oh, now. I know. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Your nobbin has not turned me good. Yeah, yes, that's it's yeah, essentially. You've, you've, you've paraphrased there, but oh, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that okay. wasn't the exact dialogue, but you, no, you've caught the gist. Yes. That's it. This is the abridged version. Um, it is. Uh, <laughs> so off they pop in the car. Matey boy's got his hand through the window trying to flog him some. Fiery booze. Some very nasty looking booze, yes. Smash that, like that. Um chasing shoes. Shot in the heel. Shot in the heel. Had a bit of a leak. Yeah. Quite easy to follow him. End up at the club having a little jig. Yeah. All the henchmen with their excellent shot. Oh. Oh good heavens. You know what that puts me in mind of? That sequence where she gets shot. It it reminds me of the Minions movie when they accidentally do something terrible to Gru. 
It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh no, boss! <laughs> <laughs> you've killed the boss you that's it. idiot yeah Bob and Dave have ruined that see again Spectre's biggest problem they're mm. not hiring the talent at the lower levels yeah so that's that bucket so yeah she's she's had a bit of a oh do you mind if my friend shits one, this one out she's careful. just careful I nearly nearly careful yeah I aborted I'll give it a whole new meaning yeah so yeah, she's quite dead. So that's that's the end of that. <laughs> yeah, a bit of a shame, really. I liked her. Oh yeah, it's all. Yeah, you can always see the attraction in the nutters. She's apparently um, uh, very active in the sort of um, the Comic Con and conference scene. She always attends okay. a lot of the events and things that go on. Um, she's been involved in a lot of the anniversary stuff that happened last year. She's still quite active. <laughs> Um, and around and, you know, very connected to the Bond world, which is always nice. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, we, yeah, we like a bit of that. Yeah. Um, so we've got, uh, so we're, then we're heading to the real sort of crux of it now, aren't we? Because... We're, we're heading to the nub of the crux, aren't we, really? Mm. Yes, that's right. So that's um, it. It's not long after that that we then um figure out that the the bombs are nearby and uh Felix and Bond head off to this thing that they've heard about the golden grotto as he butchers the word yes the golden grotto um well that's yes. it between a scottish accent and <laughs> an american accent we get no way of saying those words correctly um <laughs> all over the place but they find the vulcan they find the vulcan uh, so he goes he's out of rummage underwater he finds all the uh, dog tags and watch of yeah, Domino's of, brother, um, of, uh, Deval, and he, um, although because it's not Deval, no, um, it's not, but, but he doesn't know that they never actually find that, do they? They never really discover that. Well, um, no, didn't oh, no, they do because yeah, he because... sees him dead at Shrublands, yeah, that's of course. it, yeah, yeah. So. yeah. 007 so, yeah. said he saw him dead, that's good enough for me, yes. yeah. So, oh well, yes, of course. Uh, yes. Yeah. So we have a bit of that. <laughs> so he uses his personal effects to recruit Domino to go and get a bit of Geiger counteraction through a camera because they suspect the bombs on board this mm. uh, the Disco Volante, which is clearly much bigger than it looks from the outside. Mm. It's bloody enormous inside. Yeah, a bit of a Tardis that one. <laughs> it is. Um. So, yep, we have a bit of that. Um, Largo catches her doing a bit of investigation. Oh, yes, that's an interesting scene. Yeah, yes. so that's a bit of um, yeah, a bit of sexy torture there. That's that's what he's gone for. Yeah, a bit of that. Mm. Um, then Bond figures out where they're moving the bombs. Uh, he stands in as one of the henchmen after... Um, he basically taps him on the shoulder. Yeah. And he collapses. Is there yeah. what's going on there? <laughs> you got to hit him on. A very precision karate chop. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, rolled yeah. him away. And then he, obviously they're following the uh, the code of um, not uh, even giving each other a glance while they're putting on their wetsuits because obviously they don't want to be called gay. So they, they're just getting on with it and not looking. Just look forwards. Yeah, it, it was a different time, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that that's a bit of that. Um, <laughs> 
then he gets discovered a bit of a scuffle he gets left behind he's got his radioactive blipper thing that he swallows oh that he swallows yeah that's right yeah yeah harmless harmless apparently uh felix turns up with the coast guard lifts uh, him up then it all kicks off at that point oh it's all happening then isn't it all happening go and chase fights underwater lots of underwater lots of dramatic music lots of underwater um which actually i think is done quite well you can follow it reasonably well even though you can't see anybody's face um Mm. good guys in orange bad guys in black that helps Mm. um largo doesn't wear a cap so that you can still see his white hair which makes him very distinctive um bond's got white well, he does have white air tanks, but then he takes that off and he's got his little breather thing in, which oh, yeah, magic. is apparently still working. Um, oh, he's regassed it, don't you worry. Oh, okay, um, he's got another four minutes, even though down there. Hours. Yeah. Um, shh, 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 it's fine. So don't, don't look at that, yeah. Yeah. Um, and unlike Never Say Never Again, they don't kill Largo underwater. Um, mind you, by the end of Never Say Never Again, when they kill Lager, you really don't care by that point. No, no, um, you're you're praying for that to happen, Sean. You, uh, I just want this to be over. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so by the time we've had all the scuffling, and then we've had the double O seven theme, the double O seven theme is first used time in that we sequence. have that. Yep. No, it's not. Oh no, it's not. No, no it's in From Russia with Love. Isn't uh, it? Yes, yeah. very good. Uh, yeah, sorry, no, I correct myself. It's fine. Uh, that theme. Allow me to go nerdy here. Please do. The 007 theme, which is sort of secondary James Bond theme composed Mm. by John Barry, a kind of telegraph mission in progress kind of music, Mm. was used, I believe I'm right in saying, in various arrangements in From Russia With Love, Thunderball, You Only Live Twice, Diamonds Are Forever, and Moonraker. Yes. There we go. I think that's right, yeah, because we did, the last time it gets used, and I really I don't understand why it doesn't get reused. But No, was, I don't know. I don't know why they dropped it. Um, uh, wasn't wasn't the last time he was obviously in Moonraker, but it was the boat scene, wasn't it? Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. the speedboat in, um, in, is it Brazil? I Brazil, think? it must be, yeah. The, yeah, it must be the Amazon, mustn't it? Yes, before he goes off the waterfall. Yeah, and he goes up yeah. into England. Yeah. Well, it's it's very symbolic part of that film. That's where the film goes off the waterfall as well. That's uh, yes, that music signals uh, the end of that film. Really, yes, it is utter rubbish after that point. Yes, yes. The <laughs> Actually, nonsense. I, well, my dad might have other thoughts on that because that's one of the films he watched in the last few weeks. So <laughs> it's hmm. yeah, it would he, be he nice chose, to get some feedback on that. He chose Moonraker, but uh, yeah, you're right. It's it's all right. It's acceptable up to that point. Mm. And then no more. Uh, Anyway, uh, so yeah, nice use of the 007 theme in the underwater sequences in Thunderball. I think they work really well. The editing is a little bit off. Bit choppy here and there, but... Bit choppy, and there is, again, a little bit of speeded up footage here and there. But actually, I think generally it works quite well. Mm. Um, It's well lit, which underwater stuff often isn't. Um, That's um and when we and get you can to... you can still tell who's who yeah yeah and it it works it works really well uh and it's glamorous and action packed uh, yeah then, then we get to the end we get 
once we're on the hydrofoil bit of the Disco Valenti, it's all kicking off. Oh, yes, cocoons away. Yes. All of that. Yeah, all that's of that. A, that's how it works, I bet. Yeah. A uh, um, bit of a scuffle, uh, and then it turns out that Domino's got a harpoon to go right up him. Um, <laughs> and it does. Yeah. And that's... Oh, you, you feel that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that that did look like it smarted a bit. That so that yeah, that was that's, it. That's got a bit of a wriggle on after that. <laughs> yeah. Um, then he goes up. Then, I mean, it was just a absolute well genius bit, wasn't it? At the end there, because I like the uh, the um, oh good heavens, they're, where they're where they're retrieved in their um, oh the pickup from the plane. plane. Yeah, that's not going to break their necks at all. Uh, no, they're not carrying a couple of corpses behind the plane at that point. That's mm. there's no way that works. <laughs> How fast is that plane going? Um, you say that that it's a real thing. Oh come on! It's called the Fulton system. No, I don't believe that. Honestly, have a look. Have a look. <laughs> I, pro- I promise, it's not nonsense. All right. Go I'll on, believe look, you. Look it up. Full F U L T O N. Yeah, as in Mackay. Yeah, Fulton system. It's a surface to air recovery system. Well, it looks like a load of rubbish to me. Um, I kid you not. She's, she's not even properly holding. No, no, he's just giving her a nice tight cuddle. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So it's a real. It is a real. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, doubting my nerdy nonsense. I am doubting your nerdy nonsense. Then. No, I stank around. Yeah. Um, the destruction of the Disco Volante, I'd like to just touch on that before we finish. Oh, you? yeah, go on then. I think I know where this is going. Well, A, it's got a nuclear bomb on board. Oh, yeah. And bomb just, bomb just lets it crash into some rocks. Well, he's magically jammed the controls by leaning on the steering wheel. By dying on them inconveniently. Yeah. Yes. Don't quite know what he's going. And what happens to that Polish guy that they fling out? For... Uh, she's never too late to learn. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I never learned to swim. <laughs> well, I'm oh. chucking you in the sea anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on to this rubber thing. That's it. Yep. All done. All done. Yeah. Yeah, so he's been eaten. It. He's been eaten by sharks. Um, even though it sounds like he might be quite a useful scientist. Um, mm. When they filmed that um they wanted to run they wanted to do that for real they wanted to run the boat into some rocks and then blow it up yeah yeah. because doing that with models is not going to look right no no um again explosions is another thing that's scale um Mm. so they packed the thing with explosives sent it off i remember john steers talking about this um only they they got it. They got the quantities a bit wrong, <laughs> and they they put a bit too much in it. So they pushed the button. The boat went up, and the sort of smoke cleared. And they were saying, "Well, where where did it go? Where's where's the wreckage? Where where is it?" You And someone that. someone tapped him on the shoulder and said, "Look up." And the, right up in the sky, right above them, above the film crew, was this kind of ball of really nasty-looking debris <laughs> that was on, it, was on its way back down. Oh, dear. 
they just completely obliterated it. And apparently it blew all the windows out on the main street in Nassau. No, bollocks. <laughs> it was so loud. Well, the problem is that's boys with toys. We we like yes, things boys with, with toys fire and, and explosives. And a big budget mm. for the special effects. Mm. They completely vaporised the Disco Volante. Yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's 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 the same reason there is early video footage of me nearly setting fire to a kitchen with a firework <laughs> on a crossbow. Oh yeah, what could possibly go wrong? Yeah, it's it, it. You give you give chaps fire and things that blow up. Yeah, will escalate the situation immediately. Well, that escalated even because they had an enormous budget and permits to do it legally mm. <laughs> so, very good they could only do it once they'd only got one boat but yeah 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 you want to hope you caught that on camera because your boat is uh in all of the pieces now bits of it are in orbit i think yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a hell of an explosion but okay what we can say though is it was a, an excellent crescendo to an excellent film. It is an excellent film. Yeah. It's a classy piece from start to finish. It's a piece mm. that's of its era, but still very much, works yeah. very well today when you watch it. it. Yeah, I think it does. And Never Say Never Again can really get in the sea at this point. Yes, you compare it to that. Well, mm. you can't. You can't well, compare we, it to that. No, it, it, it's the same story-ish. Uh, but it's a uh, it's a sort of, piece yeah. of toss. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's really is rubbish. Thunderball, Thunderball was a worthy follow-on from Goldfinger, and that is no easy thing to achieve. No, that's um... Goldfinger is a film that's damn near perfect. It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because you go right. Well, all right. It wasn't the first Bond film, Goldfinger, but it was the first one that was a. You could call masterpiece. It's it's when yes. when a band has a glorious album. They it's it's that follow up album. How do you do that correctly? Yeah, and Goldfinger was when it happened, wasn't it? That's yeah. when Bond really That's really it. happened. Yeah, and so, yeah, if you use that analogy, they followed that up to perfection. They did. Apparently, Thunderball was originally going to be the first book. Uh, the first oh, film, sorry, first, not first yeah, book, yeah, first film, yeah, first film. Um, but they, uh, logistical reasons, filming in Nassau, and then of course the legal problems over mm. that story. And then they were just going to use the title because they had rights to the title, which McClory didn't. He had rights to the story, but not the title. Because mm. apparently, yeah. when him and Whittingham and Fleming originally wrote the script, they never put a title on it. In mm. fact, I think the original title, Warhead. Oh, I suppose, yeah, that would make sense. Um, and that's what he was going to call it. So they could have used the name Thunderbolt, but they would have a different story. Mm. Um, and it was just too problematic for their first films. Doctor No, they just thought, well, the whole thing's just simpler. <laughs> Let's see if we've got something here before we can start tying ourselves up in all that. Um, Point. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, they, so it was going to be um, uh, the first one because they thought it, you know, it had a very relatable kind of spy story. It set everything up quite nicely. Um, it had all the sort of, you know, the MI6 crew were there and it kind of all, it would have been a nice introduction to what Bond was all about. Mm -hmm. um, but 
Uh, they just, you know, for other reasons, they decided not to do it. But yeah, I think it, it's certainly um, one of the better of the Connery era. Mm. Most definitely. I would, yeah. I would say it's better than the two that follow. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's... Uh, and I love the two that follow. Um, although, interestingly, I don't find myself watching You Only Live Twice very much. And I'm not quite sure why, because there's nothing really wrong with it. No, I've got... it's not one I reach for very often. No, I know what you mean. Mm. Uh, and when you view it with fresh eyes, um, there's a portion of it where you go, uh, is this wildly racist? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think there's any question about that. I think it is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yeah. There's all sorts of memories running back now. There you go. <laughs> no, I don't think it's mildly racist. Uh. <laughs> uh. Yeah, mm, it's an issue, isn't it? There's, there's, it's, there's problems in that film. Yes. Uh. Japanese proverb say. No, oh. I'm not gonna. Oh. No. <laughs> but never make Nashton Bear three. Yeah, yeah, all of that. <laughs> all of that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that was a production that was beset with problems. Yeah. What you it could... all went a bit wrong on that film. Mm. I mean, I know the eras are wrong, but if you <laughs> the the nineteen eighty song "Turning Japanese" by the Vapors. Uh, oh God. Be... <laughs> Absolute perfection, wouldn't it? For that, yeah, it would. Yeah, get that Nancy Sinatra out of there. Yeah, yeah just play that over the top of that horrendous scene. Oh, um, and turning Connery Japanese. Oh my god, you couldn't do that now. You really could you give him different hair and shave his chest and put some little bits of plastic over his eyes. There you go, done. Oh, it's bad. <laughs> what? doing really bad it is it's terrible you look at it now maybe that's why i don't go to it very often because it's just so cringeworthy and i know that production was so beset with problems connery mm. was royally knocked off by that point um mm. he had well he was in japan when he decided yeah yeah um oh there were all right. sorts of problems with it they had a lot of trouble with the japanese extras and the japanese actors that they got um, particularly the the female actors they got were giving them jip. Um, didn't one of them try and one of them tried to commit suicide when she didn't get all she wanted or something like that? Oh my goodness me! I didn't know that. Yeah, no, there is. There's a story um, that the actress who I think she eventually played Aki, mm. Lewis Gilbert, who directed that film, uh, she didn't speak any English. No. And he didn't, he'd done a number of screen tests with a number of the actresses, and he was deciding who should play what. And he didn't like her for Aki, probably the most significant of the female Japanese characters in that film. Mm. He, didn't, he didn't like her for that. But she didn't speak English, so he couldn't tell her, and he couldn't give her his opinion. He said, well, I don't think you're quite right for this because. Mm. The actor who was playing Tiger the um, SIS chief in Japan, um, 
uh, what was his name? Tetsuro Tamba, I think. That's him. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yep. He, uh, Lewis Gilbert, went to him and said, "Well, can you, um, you know, break the news to her? Because obviously, I don't speak the language. Can you tell her that you know we're not going to use her for this character?" Um, and apparently, he. Um, he took her out to dinner and in the evening and said, well, I'm sorry, but you haven't got the role. Hmm. Uh, and he went back to Lewis Gilbert the following day and um, said to Lewis, okay, uh, I told her. And he said, oh, how did she take it? Said, well, not great. Um, she's going to throw herself off the roof of the Dorchester Hotel. Okay. <laughs> he said, okay, maybe we can find something. <laughs> yeah, we'll, let's see what we can do. Hey? We'll sort something out. Mm. Yes. And I think Aki and the other Japanese character, I forget the name, um, he, he switched the roles around. That was so it. she is she is in the film, but she um she wanted the role of well, she wanted a role in the film. Mm. And yeah, she was prepared to commit suicide or show so she said, uh, if she wasn't gonna get in the film. She was gonna throw herself off the roof of the Dorchester. Good heavens, that, that is which scary. actually may not have killed her because it's a bigger building. <laughs> But mm. anyway, that's by the by. <laughs> oh, she might have survived that. Yeah, but yeah, it was. But it was a production f- dis- bes- beset with issues. Um, the Japanese press were just not helpful at all. There was that story that one of them got into Sean Connery's toilet. Do you remember that? Do <laughs> yeah. There was. He got himself on the bog and. And looked up, and there was a photographer leaning over the top of the stool, trying to get. Can't a even of have it. a shit in peace. <laughs> exactly that. Mm. Exactly that. Mm. And broccoli had to go out and have a go at them all, and say, "Look, he's an actor. He's here to do a job. You're not giving him the respect that we deserve. We're not going to cooperate with the press if they're going to behave like this." Mm. And it all got really out of hand. And I think Cubby did his best to try and protect. Sean, but I think the truth is it was almost impossible. There uh, were yeah. thousands, literally thousands of members of the press, journalists and photographers, um, you know, wherever they went. Um, oh, Bond, yeah. Bond was so big in Japan. Mm. Um, and I think at that point, Connery, had, especially with the pay disputes he was having, um, I think he'd really had enough. And it, it was the time in Japan that really made him decide, no, I'm I'm done with this. I don't, mm. want, I don't want this in my life. This is too much. I can't I can't live with this. Um, bit, yeah. And he'd been rocketed to international stardom so fast. Oh yeah, he didn't know which way he was up, did he? Really? No, not at all. Um, and it was all focused on him because you know he was the star, wasn't he? He was the mm. star of the show. Um, and I think Cubby tried to protect him. Obviously, he'd fallen out with Harry as mm. well. Um, so much so where he said, if he ever walks on the set while I'm working, I'm just going to stop. And that did happen on You Only Live Twice. Um, Harry walked on the set while they were playing a scene, and Connery just came to a dead stop <laughs> and wouldn't move and wouldn't speak until Harry left. And that's where the relationship had ended up. Um, they just could not stand each other. And it. It, it was all getting Bad. a bit unhealthy. Yeah. Um, mm. Mainly over money, but not exclusively. Um, there were other personality issues as well, I think. And their experience in Japan was just horrific. Mm. 
Yeah, that was that was him done, really, wasn't it? And yeah. Well. However, though. Yes, I digress. Uh, we we need to conclude. Well, after we watched Never Say Never Again, we we said please don't bother. We've done that for you, and we've yeah. summarised. We've told you the good bits. You don't need to do it. However, if, if you've got any plans for the coming weekend, I would suggest watching Thunderball. Oh, you give it a go. You're Sneak gonna it in. love it. Yeah. You're gonna love it. it does On my not... controller to RAF jet. Mike Bravo X ray. Report your position. Report your position. Oh, I love that scene so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, everyone's gonna have to go and double check it now to make sure you got the dialogue precisely correct there. So. I double checked it. I got the dialogue right. <laughs> Well, I always used to think it said red jet, but it's not. It's RAF jet. Okay, yeah, that makes a lot more sense, actually, yeah. doesn't it? When you, yeah. yeah. Well, like, I wondered whether they called it red jet because it had nuclear bombs on it or oh, some yeah. sort of code word for it, but no, it's RAF jet. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> every, well, there you go. Everyone can go and listen to that and just go, oh, yeah, he is right. I am. There you go. I checked it. Yeah. Right. There you go. That's your Saturday, <laughs> Friday, Saturday, Sunday, at some point, sneak it in and report back. Well, I think uh, that's probably enough of that for this week. Uh, check us out on uh, all the various social medias and things. Uh, thank you very much for listening. <laughs>